0: All right. Well, it looks like my half an hour of recording was deleted by the app, so um, starting over. Um, so um, the things I wanted to talk about since the last uh, rainstorm slash episode, which weren't exactly corresponding, but you know, I think they kind of did correspond. First of all, the cover crops. They are. Going like gangbusters. I thought they were all inert, or had died, or had been washed away, but it turns out they had not. And in areas, in particular, of course, where there's mulch and or cardboard, they're doing great. And you know, so that's phenomenal. I'm so excited to see them. And I am adding a little bit of supplemental irrigation to them when I'm watering my um, planted plants, my purchased plants. Um, I'm, I'm adding a little bit as far as the hose will reach into the orchard. And in other places, too, around the perimeter, of the property of the, the, well, I should say the structure, there are little plants coming up in certain areas, and I'm just nourishing them and nurturing them with a little bit of supplemental water when I do water. And I had a kind of a moment where I realized I had to kind of think it through and go back and forth with myself before I really committed And I'm so glad that I did because there was a window where I probably would have lost the plants if I waited too long to decide or just kind of overlooked them. But essentially the decision was, these are pioneer species. I'm being given this amazing window right in the fall where the weather is starting to cool off a bit and we did have enough moisture for them to germinate. So if I expend my water budget um, and include them as I'm watering other plants i put in, they will actually have a chance to potentially take real purchase and build root systems that will allow them to potentially survive long-term. So it's really good that I use this water, this irrigation water that I've purchased, and, and, and actually half of it, over half of it, is rainwater um, that I've collected. I collected 2,500 gallons of rainwater um, in the rains we've had so far. Um, so just using that water... irrigation is worth it. I don't mind paying for the water because that is an investment into something that could produce such huge benefits towards the project. So all these beautiful little plants are coming up. I don't know what a lot of them are. I don't think they're all cover crops at all. I think a lot of them are just like you know seeds that were in the desert you know waiting for water and then when we had our last rainstorm they just were able to germinate because we had so much water. So and they're coming up all over the area not just on my property. Um, today I videotaped a walk around no it was I think it was yesterday because I went to a a dance practice there's going to be some dance performances and I'm going to do that Um, That we were taking a break and I walked over to a little patch that I noticed that had not been there prior and I walked around and just videotaped it and I'll put that on my YouTube channel it was just so beautiful all the little ground covers and grasses and flowers that were coming up in the desert (laughs) you know Um, In a place that's supposedly just this barren wasteland, you know, but it's really just a degraded landscape like most modern, -modern post-modern, pre-apocalyptic landscapes are. I like to say pre-apocalyptic because, like, we're headed towards apocalypse, kind of, (laughs) if we don't, you know, curb our our ways. Um, But anyway, so all these little plants are coming up. It's incredible. Um, One thing that I'm learning that I'm not doing well is under the shelter, I don't think I'm giving them enough water. Um, I don't think it's a shade issue. I think it's just a water issue. It could potentially be a shade issue though. I could be wrong about that, but I'm really just—I'm not really really soaking the soil where they are. I'm really kind of just like lightly spraying, you know, to where it dries out pretty quickly, and it's probably not reaching the roots. So those are not doing as well, and I—I I think I want to step up and give give it a little bit more water there. But the ones that I'm just kind of um, that are outside the structure, particularly on the north side. And then there was a big batch on the south side um, that's really awesome. There's actually a lot of grasses coming up from, potentially from the hay or a or whatever it was. There's some beautiful striped grass. Um, and there's other different types of grasses. And then there was all these grass little grasses that had sprouted up around the blackberry that I had planted in the center post to the south. And I just let them go because plants, you know, just any plants you know that would come up it's like greening the desert right feels really good to see them and why the fuck not um they are now taller than me they're beautiful they're just like this big clump of waving you know and they're they're doing their inflorescence now too so it's just it's gorgeous i did a burn barrel this evening um to actually um get rid of a bunch of paper you know recycling that um you know i just had filled the burn barrel with and it was full so I, i lit that up and um It burned a surprisingly long time for just a bunch of paper and cardboard, like, really long. So I sat in my hammock, and I just, like, watched it to just make sure it didn't catch anything. And the big old grasses were, like, blowing over towards the flames, and they'd blow over the other way in the breeze, and the flames. You know, but they were mostly just blowing in the opposite direction of the grass. So the grass was cool. It never got caught fire, you know. So that was all um, beautiful, but it was just, like, lovely to watch. And um, my current love interest, um, he came over the other day and and made a comment. He's like, "God, it really feels good under here. It like feels good here. Like this is a good place." You know. And I was um, happy about that because it was like somebody else was picking up what I was laying down, so to speak, you know. Like someone else was 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 sensing the the vibe and the chi, the, the feng shui, if you will, of my space that I've created and worked hard on. Um, and that was satisfying to me to have someone else, you know, notice it and be Affected by it in a positive way because you know, of course, like I wanna, I wanna definitely create a really hospitable environment. Um, I mean, I'm kind of terraforming, you know, the desert. So, um, but yeah, I've got my wind chimes and my plants everywhere, and it's feeling pretty good, and it's nice and breezy under my shade shade structure. So, especially this time of year. Um, so that's one thing is all the plants and um, the little little seedlings and stuff that I'm that I'm nurt- nurturing. Um, the, the orchard itself is really coming green. I've got the cardboard down with the mycorrhizae under it. I've got mulch over that a little bit. And it's really sparse. It's not, I, you know, I haven't gone up north enough times yet to really get enough mulch to really cover things, even with a single layer. Um, so there are areas that are not covered. And I did get in my new box of landscape staples very recently, so I have plenty on that. So I can really start, you know, when I have the time really laying down more cardboard and covering all the ground of the orchard. And then I could see myself potentially expanding that, laying down cardboard and pinning it down just across larger areas of the property too. But that's in the future because right now I'm, you know, I've got certain things need to happen before other things. But it's really making a difference. Even when I wasn't watering it, it was still making a difference. Um, there, were ground, there were little cover crops coming up just from the rain. Um, and that, I've got, like, nice grasses growing. I've got things that look like amaranth, and there's clover. And so it's really exciting to watch um, this, this greening of the desert. Um, the plants I put in that I had purchased are all doing pretty well. The Texas sage looks like it went through a little bit of trauma, maybe sitting in the greenhouse a little too long, you know. But it's, it's hanging in there. The um, Texas lilac does not look so good, unfortunately. I was really excited about that plant because it gets, like, 15 feet by 15 feet tall and wide, but it just doesn't look super great. I don't know if it's gonna make it. I'm probably overwatering it, I don't know, but I skipped watering um, today, so I, you know, I just, it's hard to tell if you're overwatering in certain cases, and I think out here, you know, it's easy to do, because the bentonite really does retain moisture, you know, Um, so I'm probably wasting water. But I'll probably figure that out over time as I fine tune and, and whatnot. And, you know, install irrigation systems like drip and, you know, more of the, I really want to do more of the clay pots because I've been trying the wicks, I've been trying the clay pots, and the clay pots, I finally figured those out, as I think I mentioned last time. And um, it's really just about, as far as I can tell, putting the clay pot upslope and really close to the plant. So what I found works the best, if you're going to try this, is to bury the clay pot at the same time that you install the plant itself. So I just dig one big hole that will fit the clay pot and the plant, right? And I'll usually dig down um, the, let's see, how do I do it? Do I do it the same depth? Yeah. So, okay, yeah, because it's buried. Um, But if you have a little bit of slope, obviously, the pot's going to be a little higher. But that's the best way, I think, is just dig, don't dig two separate holes. Like, don't have that separation of soil in between them. Just dig one hole, and then you're going to backfill, of course. Um, But that's been really working all the eucalyptus that i put in are doing great and they um even the one that was starting to fail and looking all crispy and like its terminal um shoot had basically died back um that now is looking much better and so you know it's got new growth coming out of it so that's just a huge it's a great sign and then one thing i'm noticing too in relation to the clay pots um and i'm filling those probably every three to four days um realistically not every other day like I have in my calendar or every three days I think it's more like three to four maybe sometimes five <laughs> like I haven't filled them for a couple days now and they're still fine like the soil is still hydrated right but um that's kind of the beauty of it you know even after it's drained out and emptied it's still hydrated around the soil even in the desert so I highly recommend clay pots and ultimately what I want to do is I want to and I'm kind of on my way already but I just haven't had time to get this part of my project Know set up and running yet, um, but I want to do. I want to make oyas at home. You know, so these are like these these ceramic vessels that are just fired and they're never glazed, so that they will you know seep slowly, releasing that water into the soil surrounding them. And you can have plants installed there, and they will thrive on that steady, slow um, amount of moisture. But plants actually prefer that over the you know flood irrigation. Essentially, they would like hit them with a hose. You know, it's way too much water. It's a waste of water. Um, With oyas, you can use like 90% less water, and the plants actually prefer oyas, or that that method of slow, you know, modest amount of water. Um, So it's kind of like win, 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 (laughs) Um, times 12. So um, I do have a wheel, as I've mentioned before. I'm going to build an adobe kiln, and the third piece fell into my lap. I had known that I would wanted to find a source of clay because I purchased about, I spent 25 bucks on uh, some clay, and when it was delivered, it was like the size of a cantaloupe, and there's no freaking way that that's sustainable. That's way expensive, so um, I was like, well, maybe there's a source of clay. I don't know. I don't really know. I'll figure that out later, but it turns out my um, my love interest has a, an intuitive sense of water catchment, um, like I do, and um, he's dug these like 15 foot deep swales with huge berms up on the bottom of his property which is not where I put it but it's, you know his project not mine so I don't judge him for doing that but we it's basically a swimming hole and we've been swimming in it and the dogs have been in it and it's been awesome and the other day when we were swimming um, with one of our other friends we I think he was the uh, the friend was the one who'd like dug in and, and like grabbed a big chunk of clay from below the silt that we were sinking down into this mucky you know icky feeling of goo down to this clay and pulled it up and made a pipe out of it haha and um he gave me some and i made a little pinch pot out of it just to see what would happen and we left it out and it dried within a few hours and were really sturdy solid like i could tell this is the kind of clay we could actually put on a wheel So uh, uh, free clay has just totally fallen into my lap in the desert. So I'm amazed. That's something that will be able to allow this to happen where we can, you know, I can produce oyas um, and use them to reforest. So the other thing is that I did go ahead and get another batch of the hybrid poplar and the hybrid willows and i'm I have my uh, most of them in water right now, like letting them kind of rest after being shipped and I did give um my love interest, who I'll just refer to as J right now. Um, I did give Jay eight of them, and um he we I showed him what to do and he he like shoved them around the perimeter of his big old pond so that um even though the water level is receding about two inches a day and it's kind of starting to recede a little faster now that it's the less volume of water, it's like evaporating a little more quickly, but he, um, you know, we just shoved him into the moist soil, and that soil is going to probably stay hydrated for quite a long time because the volume of water um, that is just being sequestered into the, you know, into the soil and recharging that aquifer um, underground. So um, we're waiting to see, like, what happens, you know, how it's going to work, and I'm going to help him do the clay pots, show him how to do those and stuff, too, so that he has a source of water for them after all the water know goes and it's back to the dry part of the year and especially in the summer. So that's an experiment we'll see right because when I had done these I had not had a proper source it just didn't work I didn't think I I don't think I did the pots correctly I had them probably too far away from the um, little rooted cuttings and some of the cuttings don't come rooted um, which is kind of annoying because really if they're not rooted it's like you know really a lot more difficult um to get them to to germinate and i've learned unfortunately the hard way that you can't really at least i couldn't just leave them in a bucket of water to see if they rooted they really do kind of need to be planted much sooner than than i had been planting them um most likely because they do need some kind of oxygen exchange and if they're just sitting in water it's like kind of drowning them um but also it's like you know i've been calling it like greenhouse death syndrome because like it's like um S-I-D-S, like SIDS, like Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, like if you leave them in the greenhouse too long, certain things just die because they're in the greenhouse. They just need to go out. So, yeah. So basically my new strategy with this new batch that I've kept for myself after giving him some is I think I want to do some of the water boxes and do them with the new strategy that I've used where I did one of the eucalyptus that I purchased because I really like it. I wanted to, like, really make sure it made it. Um, even though the clay pots are actually freaking gangbusters, all those, all the eucalyptus that I'm using clay pots with, are doing great. Like I said, so that's awesome. Um, you know, I didn't really know if it would work or not. Um, but so I think I'm going to maybe do water boxes. I'll have to see what my, you know, energy level is. And like basically time is, because I've got so much to do, but along the, in between myself and the, um, on the road i want to do some willows and maybe some poplars for some privacy some screening and then between myself and my bnb along the gully i want to do some some screening i have some shrubs that are going to get pretty big there and i do have some trees along there now um that are mo- more or less making it with no most of them do not have clay pots i'm just shooting them with the hose right now because i haven't done the clay pot part yet for them but i also want to just you know really add these willows and the poplars because supposedly they grow like five or six feet a year so I would have a, a screen really fast, right? So I want to keep trying them. I want to keep trying them until I freaking get them to work. <laughs> and maybe I'll have to give up. But they're pretty cheap. They're about a dollar a stick. So to me, it's like an investment that's worth it. It's kind of like the water budget that I'm expending on the little plants that are coming up everywhere to really kind of nourish them and give them support in maybe establishing themselves and becoming viable plants um, to regreen and recover that. Barren ground that was basically de- de- uh, it was desertified by bad management. You know, when they took all the trees out, and then they had cows come through and cut the grass down to the ground, and then they had sheep come through and actually rip the grass out by its root. Now we've got all these barren um, areas that look like you know, oh, that's what the desert looks like here. No, it's actually very degraded from what it's supposed to look like. So, restoring the grassland, um, the grass cover is really going to be a huge deal, and. I know that allowing these these plants that are that are coming up finally, that are really starting to just like be the pioneer species that that are the the ones that start the climb towards climax ecosystem again. Um, they're vital important plants. They're preparing the soil. They're loosening the soil. They're adding habitat and niches for beneficial organisms. It's just they, the amount of services that they provide ecosystem services, is so um, myriad. It's probably like beyond what we even. Could, could could even grok, um, you know, it's probably a lot more than what I might even see happening, right, or what I've read about. So I think that they are paving the way, and there are a lot of grasses that have sprouted up, and I really don't know, I really don't know, you know, what they are. Are they things that I spread as a cover crop, or are they um, weeds, or are they from some of the straw and alfalfa, or hay and alfalfa bales that I put, you know, that I have kind of randomly sitting around? I was going to use for um, like a skirting around my RV and there's ended up like not having enough to do that and then realized that they were useful for other things. And then like now they're, you know, there's like grass growing around them, you know? Um, But there's all these different varieties of grasses. So I'm kind of like not sure what the heck it is, but it's awesome. It's beautiful. Um, I do want to mention before I forget the wetland. I had a, um, I thought about this. I should update you guys on the wetland because I have stopped adding supplemental water to the wetland as of the last rain we had. And that was like, what, two weeks ago now? And it's, um, it's hanging in there, finally. I think something actually finally happened. <laughs> so I do have only three plants that I had spent money on and bought that are still alive. And those are the three irises. Um, unfortunately... All the all the junkas died again. Uh, second batch of junkas, and I think that was because it wasn't the water level just wasn't high enough to sustain them. Um, and really, what I should do is go and spend more in a third batch and really. But I don't want to go in there at this point and do that because I've already got like a bunch of straw laying down. I've got the chicken wire over it. It's just at this point maybe I should put the junkus. If I do, I should do the rest of the gravel in the second pit, and then get the junkus installed in that side. That's really the more realistic thing to do. So, um, but I'm not dealing with that yet because there's just so much else on my plate. But there's a ton of different grasses that have, have really started to fill in the wetland and to the point where it's like, um, you know, really getting covered by these different grass species in addition to those three surviving um, irises. So I'm almost thinking of what will happen if I just, you know, direct seed, just like basically scatter seed over the surface of the, of the wetland in areas where there's not, you know, the other grasses there of some of these wetland um, plants that I bought seeds for. So, right? Or I could even do, like, little seed bombs um, and just lay them there, you know. Um, But, yeah, I'm kind of thinking that that would be a better strategy than maybe just, like, worrying about it too much and trying to buy another batch of plants for that first pit. So just that's a really cool update because I was, you know, told by my ex-boyfriend, oh, you know, the guy who was basically shooting down all my ideas and all my projects. He was like, that's never going to work. You know, it's, it's just going to evaporate before you can, like, really fill it and yada, 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 yada. But in the meantime, I was adding supplemental water diligently for a period of time on a daily basis during the period where it was maybe, you know, wasn't full and it was, we weren't getting any irrigate, um, precipitation. Um, before the monsoon season really kind of kicked in, I guess, and and actually over the summer, too. And slowly but surely, I noticed little, a few grass species coming in, and that encouraged me. Um, and now, at this point, like I said, I've stopped watering, and there's, like, all these different varieties of grasses growing in there, and it's green without any irrigation. So, heck, yeah. Um, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Like, nobody, ever, whoever succeeded, ever succeeded because they – listen to the naysayers. (laughs) That's my attitude about it. Um, So those are a few things that I'm looking at that are kind of happening around the property. There are a bunch of mesquite seedlings that have come up where um, I shoved beans around the perimeter of my check dam. And I went ahead and did seven buried clay pots up there um, for selections of them. uh, Only meaning that there are a few areas where there are More than one coming up in a small area, so they would probably not, they'd just, you know, compete with each other and like crowd each other out and it wouldn't be really good. So I've sort of chosen the ones based on spacing between the other ones nearby and um, given them clay pots. And so tomorrow I'm going to go refill all the clay pots. It's been several, it's been actually probably four or five days since I filled the pots, not the three that I'm kind of shooting for, but everything should be okay. There's there's still good um, moisture in the soil, I think, for the most part. Um, which kind of reminds me um, so around the eucalyptus what I'm noticing because I did have straw piled around them as well which I haven't done for the mesquite yet um, mainly because it's like a check dam it's going like to have a lot of water and it might actually just like sweep away the you know, whatever mulch I try to put down but I can landscape staple that stuff too and try to make it stay that way so I just haven't gotten to it yet but the, the eucalyptus have the mulch and so I've noticed around the eucalyptus there are lots of little plants coming up, of course, because the moisture is being held by the straw. And potentially even that straw is like, you know, maybe it's hay and it's seeding that or it's alfalfa and there's seeds in the alfalfa or the hay, right? So that's awesome. And then just in, just in terms of like where I probably shoved some mesquite pods at one point, um, in the Burma, in the swale rather to the west, I mentioned, I think before, Several mesquite seedlings had come up there, so I had kind of just half-acidly mulched those, very half-acidly. I'm talking about, like, here's a little scrap of straw. I'm going to kind of pile it around each of these, you know, and then just, like, forget about it. But they're doing well. Um, You know, they're they're too close together, so, you know, really it's kind of just more, like, I have compassion for the seedlings and just – Maybe, like, as I'm walking past, I'll, like, drizzle them very lightly from my my can because I want to make that can last on my route. And I have two routes with the cans. I've got two two two-gallon watering cans that I fill, and I walk in a loop to the north um, along the west side and then up the gully um, back to the south. And those are all eucalyptus except for the one. um, There's actually three, I think, three... um, mesquite seedlings now, um, maybe two. And then there's the one that I um, planted of the seeds from the guy who had given me those seeds over the summer at the pool. Um, everybody here calls him CIA because he um, was at January 6th, and um, well, I think he was like a or something, but, you know, brief comment there. Um, you know, of course it was, um, the CIA, who was running the operation, the FBI, and they were using Antifa, and um, you know, to like go in and pretend to be MAGA, as per the usage, um, to create this like false event so that they could like get Trump, you know. Um, and there's lots of proof of that, um, including video evidence um, uh, of like for, I won't go into it now, but there's a lot of evidence of that. Maybe that'll be a topic that I'll revisit with um, my um, co-hosts that's, uh, that we'll be doing, um, episodes with. But anyway, suffice it to say, he, <laughs> he was basically in trouble for January 6th. And so people started calling him CIA. Um, he was the one that gave me a bunch of seeds, um, that he, he was trying to grow in his greenhouse and had to leave and they all died. All his seedlings died. So he just gave all this stuff to me and I'm like, sure. But then I forgot to put labels on it. Um, I don't think I had a Sharpie or anything, so I couldn't really label it. And then, um, But I started to to propagate them. And so one of those I put down by the road where the telephone company had actually, you know, driven over my baby mesquite that I was so proud of, my first one, um, coming up in my berm. So um, there are, like, two other volunteer mesquites, I think, at this point that have clay pots now. And I go and I water those and then, you know, just kind of go on my little route. And then I refill and I go up to the check dam and hand fill those pots. And then... I have a batch of four inch pot um, eucalyptus that are probably about eight inches tall at this point, And I think that those probably could go in the ground and this is the right time to put them in the ground. So I will make time and make that happen. And then I do need to plug up the clay pots that I'm gonna use for those though. And I'm gonna probably need to procure more clay pots at this point ahead of getting the system set up where I can get the clay get the wheel going, um, build the kiln, and start producing oyas. So I think buying some more clay pots at this point just to get stuff in the ground this fall would be um, the right thing to do. So yeah, I don't know how I'm going to make this all happen because I've got my B&B that I'm still working on and behind on that. My order of hardware for the shade structure for the A-frame did not get picked up, so I have to probably go up north and get that maybe this weekend so that I can really attach the shade sail. But I haven't even set the post for that yet, and I technically could because I can just look at lay the shade sail out and know pretty much where they need to go and how far apart, and then when I get the hardware, I can adjust the distance. I need to clear up all the construction debris still for the community space. Um, I did get a really cool cow skull hung on the bathhouse, (laughs) And I did get toilet paper for the bathhouse, and I'm I ordered um, hand sanitizer, um, and then I need to uh, I need to let's see, bring the cedar chips that I'm going to be using for composting over there, and fill like a container for them to use to and get a little scoop and all that. And then I think I want to paint some of the wood because it's like really dirty looking um, for the charging station and the workstation that are, that were built for me. Um, by my ex-boyfriend, um, who was uh, supposedly a GC in the past. Um, um, he left the site a mess, but then again, I did dump him, so he probably did it um, angrily, you know, or whatever. Um, but I, so I need to clean up all that construction debris, some pallets and a bunch of, like, I don't know, random pieces of stuff and, like, you know, nails and screws and some trash and whatever. Um, but I did move the picnic table over with my new squeeze, um jay he helped me get that over there i couldn't have carried it by myself so that's really nice and sure enough the placement is perfect because during the heat of the day it's in the shade and it really does make a difference to be under shade out here like you're like ugh, or you go into the shade you're like okay you know like i can handle this this isn't bad at all right so really glad that i am doing shade for my guests um i still need to get the campsites sighted and my um Really, this is really good. My lighting came in, so I do have the post cap lights. I have all the new path lights that I'll be using to help demarcate the spaces. And what I need to do is just, you know, get the wheelbarrow and get the cement. You know, bring all that stuff out there with the shovel and the post hole digger, whatever, and bring those um, those uh, like cut off ends, basically, of the I think like fourteen foot long four by four posts that I had bought second hand for like five bucks each from the mechanic who has like a little bit of a scrapyard going. Um, those are perfect for doing the bollards that I'll put little signs on for like, you know, space A or whatever, you know, we don't give them cool names. But I need to do all that. The paths are in though. I have light lit paths going to the community space from two different um, rentals, both the camper and the A-frame. And I have the path going from the community space out to the campsite. And then I'll be using those those new batch of path lights um, for demarcating the campsite and probably doing a path out to the campsites as well. And then have the uh, bollard lights. Those will be for both the campsites. And then I'm going to do like a parking area with bollards that are lit so that it's really clear, like where do you park your car, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. So there's a lot to do. I did get the cushion, the seat cushion from the Sunlight Camper and laid it out on my new picnic table that I assembled the other day, I think it was yesterday, got that done, um, and I, no, maybe it was today, no, oh my gosh, it was today, so it was this morning that I built my picnic table, my new one, to replace the picnic table that I dragged over to the B&B area, um, and I laid out my beautiful faux leather, it's like a creamy and, and cold um, alligator, it's really pretty, and um, I laid that out on the table, and I, um, it is going to be the perfect size to be able to just wrap around the entire cushion, thank God. And um, the cushion's longer than the picnic table, but that's fine. And then I realized, you know, I really need to get, like, a leather sewing kit, so I ordered that. So I have to wait to complete that until that kit comes. But at least I've got it, like, there and ready, and it's no longer, like, way over there. I can procrastinate that because it's hard. It's like, no, it's sitting right there on my new picnic table. I've got workspace. I can do it, you know? <laughs> So, progress. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Um, I did get a string light set up for the sunlight camper between the shade sail and the camper. And what's interesting, I love how this happens. It's so strange. But I ended up um, hand-feeding the, the strand lights bulb by bulb through this opening that wasn't supposed to be in the roof corner. But that is like, it is there. <laughs> and I, you know, seal it up. but um, But I fed the strand lights through there. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm gonna check to see the length and see if it's the correct length and you know make sure I don't like go too far or whatever. So I go and I hold it up inside the camper because the idea is to have like a little night light kind of like a really, really sl- subtle um ambient light in there, so you're not just in pitch black. Um and that you can turn off if you want to, you know, there being I made the button at, at like eye level on the post outside, you know, so you can turn off turn it off if it bothers you. Um but it turned out to be precisely the right length inside the camper and outside the camper so that it reaches the post perfectly. And I was like, cool, I don't know how I did that. But yeah, so that worked out. I was happy with that and um, didn't have to go and futz with it too much. Got it attached with zip ties to the post and then mounted the little um, solar panel charger thingy with the on and off button um, and the mode button so that the guests can actually go ahead and mess with that if they want to and they can pick, you know, the setting on. Or- turn it off and on um, there's a bug landing on my phone um, so yeah so I think things are kind of coming together um, there's just all kinds of things to do all the time but for the most part it's really exciting um, oh, let's see um, I'm going to mention this because I think it's relevant to the project because um, one thing that I had read about when I was doing all my research to go ahead and find property was when you're picking your property it's really important to figure out whether you have good or bad neighbors um, it's all fine and great if you have a beautiful parcel of land but if your neighbors are assholes it's not worth it um my i'm just going to call him jay my love interest um his friend he, it turns out, which we were marveling at too, it's so odd how this all happens. Like he's down the road from me, just several properties. It's like, what are the odds? But, um, he went to his property and this guy who's, who's, um, next to him, um, he's the guy that stole my sign and put up my sign. I'm pretty sure <laughs> after he met me realized I was cool. Um, <laughs> kind of a weird guy. Um, he got like really violent with the guy and was just like, you know, threatening him and stuff like that. So. I guess he just was trying to intimidate him to not use the property because he's used to having it be kind of empty, which is, like, super ridiculous and shitty, but the, the friend um, is, like, just going to stay with um, Jay for a while and figure out what he's going to do. But obviously he needs to stand up, stand up for his rights, and, it's, you know, it's his mom's property, I guess, but still it's just, like, crazy. But it illustrates my point that, you know, a shitty neighbor is, like, really a big deal, right? If they threaten to shoot you, because you're on your property and they don't they're not used to the idea of you being on your property. That's a problem, <laughs> right? Um so anyway, um there in a wider context, uh I had a really fantastic summer. Um I went to the pool almost every day. And it just was like <coughs> Excuse me. Um something that I did just for fun because I liked it and I had developed the habit in Altadena. I'm just hanging out by the pool every day, and it really was just very satisfying, and it helped you deal with the heat, you know? It was just a really nice activity, and I, I had said that my house, my, you know, when I got my own place, that it was going to have a pool um, in Altadena, and that was the thing that I manifested, and I had this really awesome place for like three years, um, three years and four months, so I was kind of used to that, and sure enough, there's a pool out here, so I'd go to the pool almost every day, and it was just this really great to do you know if it was really super hot it would you just get into the pool once and your core temperature goes down and you're all happy for the rest of the day but the pool turned out to be this whole social scene that I had never expected out here and it just was like really fun and I made all these friends and just had a blast and um (laughs) it's so weird because just last week one of the friends that I had made in particular this girlfriend who had said like we'd said we love each other like we were like Thick as thieves, basically. She just, out of nowhere, turned on me and, like, basically just started spreading this untrue rumor about me that this guy that she has slept with, and I guess is friends with, decided to to make up about me um, pursuing him or something like that. Um, because, and I get this from people, like, good friends I have telling me that so-and-so, that he... so complicated it's like small town gossip rumor mill craziness but anyway this is what happened and this is you know i think relevant to the project because again neighbors are important um but so is community right so i guess some girl like he had slept with this like the town hoe um this guy who'd made up this rumor about me and uh cheated on his fiance with her so um i think that the girl he cheated with was jealous of me and my love interest liking each other and because she was um, his kind of like FWB for a while, and um, this isn't just what I think. This is what was told to me kind of firsthand, based on what she had said. So apparently, <laughs> um, the uh, the theory that I've heard that makes the most sense is that she was trying to disrupt and prevent me and you know Jay from getting together. Um, and and so she maybe was the one who instigated this and got this other guy to like lie about me. So. Either way none of it's true it's all just total bs fabrication and like it's kind of historical because it's so far-fetched but um yeah so this girl that i was really close with over the summer she just decided to like just believe him and accuse me and to the point where she didn't even ask did you do this she just said you did this and i said uh oh, what no i didn't and she said yeah you did and i was just like excuse you like what the fuck so um we're no longer friends And um, it's been pretty stressful for me, not just to lose what I thought was a friend, but also to have, you know, to be the subject of like backbiting, essentially like defamation. And I'm waiting until the end of this month to see if it actually does affect the solar system contractor um, invoice that I've approved and I'm planning to have completed um, and executed at the end of this month. So we've got about two weeks to wait and see because one of the things that this douchebag who's spreading these lies about me had told me was that, um, you know, don't ask my friends, me or my friends, for any help or anything in the future. You know, it's like I've never asked him for help or whatever anyway, but he's just extremely inflated ego guy, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, but And then he had told Jay um, when he ran into him in, in town just a few days ago. He started lying to him about me. And he said, um, you know, and I told her, like, not to ask my boss for any help. So he works for the solar contractor who is supposed to do the work for me. So my guess is that he is defaming me to that guy, and that guy is going to back out of the deal. And um, so I've talked to my attorney and do plan to pursue, um, at the very least, a cease and desist letter um, against both of them, the girl and the guy who are lying about me, because it just pisses me off, and it's um, potentially going to impact not just friendships, but potentially like something that, you know, my, my power system, which is kind of important. So, um, yeah, and I mean, that's another illustration of why I'm telling you this. Like, why I go into this stupid drama? Well, because it, it matters, you know, especially in a small community, especially off-grid, and especially when, you know, like the guy you see at the pool who decides to defame you just so happens to be working for the guy that's supposed to do your solar system repair, you know. So it really does matter. Excuse me. So I'm doing the best I can to just, um, you know, I guess cover my bases or just do what I what can be done to protect myself in this situation. And it's just a just a really shitty situation. So um, that's that. But, you know, just just as a reminder and as an illustration, when you go and you're looking for property, it's important to add as a layer or a part of your you know spreadsheet or however you are gathering your information. Check out the neighbors as best you can. Um, talk to people locally. Call stores. Call mini marts. You know that are visited by locals. Like get the lowdown. Figure out what kind of community you have. You know. Um, do the best you can to try to keep that to make that be part of what you're looking into. Because even though it can be hard to find that information, it's worth the effort because it really, just really does matter. Um, it's not just the land itself. Of course, it's the people, right? So. Um, so that's that. <sighs> um, and I would say that's pretty much everything. Um, it's just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to do, but I am starting to sit get some traction. And um, the only other thing I'll say is that at the last major storm event, which was not this last storm, but the one before that, um, I had mentioned all my berms that the road blew out. And I still, it, at first for a long time, was just too wet to be able to deal with anything. But um, now that my driveway is totally awesome and stable, and no longer has big old ruts in it, and it's not like this dust fest. It's actually like a real hard driveway. Um, I really at some point also need to go and get the wheelbarrow out and basically do trips back and forth from the big dirt pile out to the road berm and like go ahead and really make that a proper berm. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to suck, but it's going to need to be done. And my kind of take on it was that I'm not going to be able to get it done this season, most likely, just because of everything else I'm trying to deal with and do. Mostly the B&B stuff, which I'm behind on at this point. Um, But, um, you know, I might get um, end up finishing the B&B stuff and then have the time before the monsoon actually officially ends. There's talk about that we're going to get another rainstorm. And it sure would be nice to be able to hold that water because, you know, uh, it's a desert and all the water is so valuable. But, um, you know, I have to just deal with things that can be addressed in the time that I have. So... If nothing else, I'll get it done before the next monsoon season next year, and then it'll be like really like up and running, and I'll have a lot of upland um and swales, and it'll just be like that much better. So I think the relaxation of the idea of being perfect and on time is really important for a project like this. In my life, I really don't believe in perfection, let alone try to reach it. I just do the best I can, and I try not to, you know, be too hard on myself when I fall off the horse, so to speak. Even though, of course, I'm really hard on myself, Um, just like anybody else. You know, we're all really too hard on ourselves, probably. Um, But, you know, I mean, my goal is at least to just try to enjoy life during life instead of, like, you know, try to be all perfect and work for this goal at the end where you're supposedly going to get rescued by some savior or some, like, you know, heaven experience or retirement or whatever, you know? Um, So being that that's how I approach things and I don't go on vacations really, um, things are not going to all happen in a perfectly orderly, you know, on-time fashion. But things are definitely happening and traction is being achieved and, you know, trees are surviving finally and, you know, things are really going. I will say, this is so cool, that one pear tree that's closest to my shelter on the north side that doesn't get any shade from it, but potentially gets cool breezes hitting it from under the shade structure, it not only survived all summer, wrapped in a burlap <laughs> for part of it, but it is it put out new leaves this fall, if you can believe that. I don't know if it's confused or what, but I was so excited to see that, and I cut the burlap off, and um, so I have I have a fruit tree that's, that's still with me. Um, I'm pretty sure all the other fruit trees Perished, unfortunately, because I got too um, gung-ho and didn't follow the correct order of things. And that's my bad for, you know, being like just too excited um, and not properly planning. So now I'm focusing on shade trees and windbreaks and creating microclimates. And then ultimately we'll be, of course, doing more fruit. Provided that by the time I can do more fruit in two years, the, you know, Globalist cabal hasn't totally shut down all availability of all plant matter for you know the average person who wants to grow a fruit tree in their own backyard. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, if you're if you're curious about what I just said and you think that I'm full of baloney or a conspiracy theorist, go look into the Great Table Reset. You can just look that up. It's on the I think it's the World Economic Forum's website. It's all just published right there. So is the Great Reset, by the way, too. You can read about that too if you. I think it's all just a big conspiracy theory. Um, but the Great Table reset is particularly um fucked up because you know they're talking about like taking over the global food supply and centralizing it just like in this one world government shit where they like have total control over food around the world. I mean, they're criminally insane. If you if you understand that, then you understand that all the things they're doing make sense, but you know, <laughs> That in particular is frightening, and um, even some of the people I've been interviewing for some market research I've been doing for a new uh, product I'm going to be rolling out in the next five months or so, um, they're telling me that some of them are like really like, yeah, I've been watching what's going on with food supply and like prices, and I know that this is it. We got to like get our permaculture stuff dialed in and yada yada. So um, it's not just me that's like out here in the boonies like prepping, you know. <laughs> Definitely, people are thinking about this for sure. It's pretty obvious if you're paying any kind of attention at all that something is going on um, that's not good. So, um, but anyway, um, if you're interested in how to really just like get ahead of the game and you know, protect yourself, protect your family, you know, make sure you've got food and water for the rest of your life and no one can take it from you and all that. Um, you can pre-order my book Zombie Permaculture, which not only identifies the real threat that we're all actually facing—that most of us don't realize we're facing—but that I've figured out what you know what it is. But it also gives you a workable, real solution that I've actually experientially found out works. So I'm really excited about this book. Um, it's called Zombie Permaculture, and you can pre-order a copy or check out check it out and you know ask me questions or whatever um, at zombiepermaculture.com. And you can also follow me on YouTube at, um, basically, I think it's, you know, just look up zombie permaculture on YouTube and you'll find me. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. Um, but if you need the URL, uh, I'll try to put it in the description. So um, thank you so much for listening again. And I hope your project, if you've started it or are going to start it or are just taking notes at this point, is going along for you and that you're going to be able to to achieve um, a project similar to this, if that's your goal, and that, my foibles and my successes are helping you reach that goal um, so that you can do this too. So thanks again and have a great day.